Hello, everyone. This is the MSC Performance Podcast. My name is Kitty, and today I've got a very special guest with me. Um, one of our members, Avital, kindly agreed to join me in this um, episode, where we'll be talking about the menstrual cycle. Hello, Avital. Hi. <laughs> Um, so Avita is um, currently doing a PhD researching the menstrual cycle and its effects on exercise performance. And she's also teaching at a university, assisting on all the sports courses. Basically. Yeah. yeah. How are you today? Good. Thank you. Excited. I finally get to speak about the menstrual cycle for a reason, <laughs> not just force on people. Good. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Excited. Yeah, that's good. Um, So starting out, what I wanted to talk about first is just what is the menstrual cycle? Um, Like what are the different phases of it? Um, What is a regular menstrual cycle? How long does it last? Um, Things like that. So if you just want to give us a brief overview. Yeah, I have my handy chart here, which obviously is a bit redundant on the podcast, but it's being filmed. So if you're watching this on YouTube or whilst you're listening, go onto YouTube (laughs) and then you can see it. So the menstrual cycle is one of the, well, like the predominant component of the female reproductive system. Mm -hmm. And there are two main hormones associated with it, which you may be familiar with, estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. So we briefly talk about the phases. So for the purpose of the YouTube, I'll... <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so we start off in the initial phase, which is also called the follicular phase. And estrogen and progester- progesterone are pretty low um for all of that and that typically lasts for about 14 days so when we're talking about how long it lasts as well the textbook cycle is 28 days in reality a normal menstrual cycle is going to be anywhere from about 23 to 35 days mm-hmm. so there's a lot of variation but you just say about the 28 textbook um length a lot and then the second phase is the ov- um, when ovulation occurs, the ovulatory phase, people call it different things. That's typically around day 14 and lasts for about 16 to 36 hours. So it's mm-hmm. a pretty short um, period. And in the ovulatory phase, that's when estrogen peaks. And then after that, we go into the luteal phase, which again, about 14 days. And in this phase, estrogen will dip a bit, but still remains high. And then progesterone, that's when it peaks. And then towards the end of the luteal phase, we'll start to dip again. And also, I think it's important to note for those who can't see my handy little chart. Which is perfectly made. Like Thank it's, you. it's colour coded as well. <laughs> it's, yeah. That the hormones don't like just drastically increase and decrease. That like when I say mm-hmm. in the luteal phase, towards the end, it drops off. It's not like it suddenly dips. Um, it'll sort of flow. So that's the probably the briefest way yeah. to explain it. Um, I think it's difficult because there, there's an importance of in-between phases fluctuations as well. So it's not so black and white, whereas it's, this is one phase, this is the other one, and that's it. It's like exactly. so much variation and it's very individual as well. Yeah, so much variation. There's variation between females from like even just one individual mm-hmm. there'll be variation throughout their own life as well yeah. what occurs and then we've obviously got the different hormone profiles in sort of different phases mm-hmm. then there's also things to consider like 
just the fact that the hormones increase is that going to have an impact mm-hmm. on an individual whether mm-hmm. that's a physical psychological yeah. impact there's just so many different things yeah, to yeah, be yeah. aware of um another one to note as well is that often when progesterone and estrogen are both high mm-hmm. that often the positive impacts of estrogen are somewhat negated by the effects of progesterone and we just don't know enough mm-hmm. and we were saying at the beginning we're going to try and not just have the themes throughout this podcast we don't know enough <laughs> it's just individual we don't know but also it kind of is that, yeah literally we... guys I'm so sorry like the whole podcast for 45 minutes you're going to listen to this and the just whole don't know. yeah just skip the whole thing basically we don't know and it's individual that's yeah, it <laughs> yeah but yeah if we want to go into why does why does this matter what is the effect of these hormone fluctuations on exercise performance. Um, Where is the research? Like what is happening at the moment? What are you finding throughout your own research? Where are we at at this point? Great question. So I thought I'd just talk you through from like previous research Mm -hmm. and where we're at now. Um, And also just saying the prior thing, because I didn't actually say this, but I reckon most people know Mm -hmm. that like the first sort of three five seven days of the follicular phase will be menstruation itself yeah and menstruation is not interchangeable with the menstrual cycle Mm. often when you and I'm gonna say here often more males will Mm -hmm. hear menstruation and then to them that's the whole menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the menstrual cycle is all the phases Mm -hmm. put together so just what we're talking about that just important to note yeah so previously previous research females are researched a lot less mm-hmm. than males um i don't think we should go into the whole like historical social yeah <laughs> like yeah we'll save that for another day thoughts um but yeah just historically they're not really researched because mm-hmm. they're also they are a lot harder to research yeah. because of the hormonal profiles so much variation but they still account for 50 percent of the population yeah more recently also because in sport again historically they didn't account for 50 percent mm-hmm. of the sporting population again mm-hmm. because of various reasons that we won't get into yeah. um sexism but anyway <laughs> you have to drop it in there <laughs> <laughs> so there's just limited research so we don't know for definite how various variables may influence females differently mm-hmm. as opposed to males and again they might not take protein dose for instance mm-hmm. i think there's been a recent ish study which looked at um protein dose and like muscle growth in females okay and there's not actually necessarily a difference from like mm-hmm. the recommendation for what you'd say to the general population mm-hmm. but we also just don't know and then within that just females in general not mm-hmm. being researched mm-hmm. we have the specifics of the female athlete because females yeah. are not just smaller males yeah they have a different physiological profile. 100%. And again, like we said, it's not necessarily that there's going to be differences, mm-hmm. but there might be, and we just don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to do do the research. Yeah. So in the past couple of decades, I there has definitely been research that's been mm-hmm. done. There's a bit of, there's a few issues with that research. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's low quality. Mm-hmm. Something that is, go on. So, sorry to cut you off. What do you mean by low quality? What is... Yeah. What does that mean? So when it comes to research, it's really important that the testing that you're doing is valid. So what you're trying to measure, are you actually mm-hmm. measuring that? Mm-hmm. Is it reliable as well? Is it repeatable? What's really hard when it comes to menstrual cycle research is you need to know, even I just went through sort of a textbook 28-day cycle, mm-hmm. but we do not know for definite just from 
looking at someone, Mm -hmm. what phase of the cycle they're in. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy to say, right, they're in the follicular phase, Mm -hmm. early follicular phase, because when you start menstruating, Mm -hmm. it's easy to say that. When it comes to ovulation, yes, we've got the textbook 14 Mm -hmm. days. But actually, there's quite a recent study which showed, I think, like only 17% of females will actually ovulate on that 14th Mm -hmm. day. Lots of females won't actually ovulate at all. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to know for definite. There's a few different methods. Mm -hmm. Classically, a lot of papers have done like a calendar-based method. Mm -hmm. So that's when females who will document their own cycle, Mm -hmm. there'll be a guesstimate of, okay, well, my previous three cycles were all 32 days. So we're going to sort of guess Mm -hmm. when the phases were. Um, And there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems (laughs) with that. You can do temperature. So typically Mm -hmm. the, your basal body temperature will rise like around ovulation. Mm -hmm. You can pee on a stick to see if you've you've ovulated. The gold standard is blood samples, Mm -hmm. intravenous blood samples. Obviously it's not so easy to just do Mm -hmm. a lot of universities or wherever the research center is. They don't have the facilities to Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a lot of the old research, few papers use that method so it's hard to say with complete Mm -hmm. certainty if any Mm -hmm. this is the phase we're trying to test and Mm -hmm. this is the phase the athletes or individuals are in yeah so then it's hard to make conclusions based yeah that and I guess it's really difficult to research it as well because first of all it's very invasive and it's also really time consuming Mm -hmm. for you for you as a researcher and as a participant as well to adhere to that because also as you said, we can taste, uh, taste, sorry, <laughs> we can taste, no, we're not doing that, um, we, <laughs> we can test, um, I'm not going to cut it out, <laughs> I'm going to leave it in, so we can test like one menstrual um, cycle, but it's going to differ like every single month, Um okay. So even if we manage to identify different phases within that one cycle, it might be different in the next one and the next one. Um, so kind of very accurately identifying each phase. It's just, I don't want to say impossible, but it's very, it's very hard. I There was a study I was going to take part in as a participant about a year ago and then couldn't because of injury, mm-hmm. but it was menstrual cycle related. And it had something like 30 plus lab visits, Ooh. which is mental. I think it's, like you said, hard enough for the researcher, but at mm-hmm. least that's their job. It's mm-hmm. so hard to get participants to come yeah. in. And such a large part of research, and I don't know if people outside of research know this, you're just limited by what's actually physically practical and mm-hmm. feasible. Mm-hmm. And you might have this amazing, really robust study that you've planned. Yeah. But if you can't get participants mm-hmm. to come and do it, then yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah, and it's also, you may be able to get them, but then it's the elimination criteria that you've got because if they are not in that phase when you want Mm. to test them or whatever or you find something that kind of disqualifies them so to say then you're losing it yeah that contributes to again low quality like ovulation I've read so many papers where they start off with like 30 participants Mm -hmm. or fewer and then they test them the the participants go through all the testing Mm -hmm. And then they validate the menstrual cycle phase and it turns out also they've not actually ovulated, so they get yeah. ruled out. And I think there's two maybe things to note with that. And this is something I'm quite like aware of in my research, mm-hmm. that we really struggle as researchers to be able to, you know, do the gold standard mm-hmm. level of hormonal like validation. Mm-hmm. And then when we think about what are we then going to relay to the actual individuals who mm-hmm. are possibly going to change their training or whatever they're doing, their sport performance 
they're going to have no idea what phase they're in for definite. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I think it's really important that research is done, but it's actually like, okay, but what if we discover this? How is an athlete going to know? Like, oh yeah, I'm definitely on day three of the neutral. Yeah, you're not going like, to go not... through your life doing like but, ovulation like, testing. Like, yeah, blood sample and just like go to my GP this morning to get, get it tested. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, every like 10 days yeah. or something. Yeah. And then there's also like another layer to it. And there's not going to be, I think, enough time in this podcast. Yeah. But I think it's a recent paper found that only, I think, 50% of the population studied, which was a pretty mm-hmm. substantial amount actually have regular menstrual cycles mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of athletes also are on some kind of hormonal contraceptive mm-hmm. which is just a whole other kettle of fish yeah also under researched yeah and then within those who aren't on any kind of contraceptive they might have menstrual irregularities mm-hmm. and we were speaking before as well yeah. in the athletic population there's a high proportion of females with menstrual irregularities mm-hmm. in the normal population mm-hmm. and that's also something to consider there's just yeah. there's a lot there's yeah. a lot out there yeah so now we kind of gave a brief um overview of why there's not much research out there like it's just very very like yeah challenging it's very challenging and I think where we're at now which is definitely direction that I want to take my mm-hmm. PhD is the lived experiences mm-hmm. and also at this point I think it'll continue to be this because the research that's out there which is high quality is still really conflicting. Mm-hmm. You'll have studies which show better strength performance or better aerobic performance in a certain phase, mm-hmm. and then others which show the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. There's also some studies looking at nutrition. Um, but at the end of the day, the conclusion is always it's individual, yeah. which is great. And like we said, that's not what we want the main theme of this podcast <laughs> yeah. to be. But it is individual, so we yeah. think, that what can we do with that? Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's about talking about, A, the lived experiences, mm-hmm. and actually the monitoring side of it do athletes actually mm-hmm. even track their own cycle and um, we're just talking here about <clears throat> like a diary or an mm-hmm. app that they use as mm-hmm. opposed to again taking blood samples yeah, yeah. or saliva samples yeah. every day and then what do they do with that mm-hmm. information because we just don't yeah really know yeah so when you're talking about the lived experiences um how is there any research out there that you found um, about like whether that's general population or athletes um, about their perception of their own menstrual cycle whether they are tracking or not um, is there something that they experience can they identify or for example if I'm menstruating then there's like a, a difference in performance is there anything out there that you so think we can identify there's not really much on monitoring itself mm-hmm. There's a little bit in terms of around the conversation around the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. There's a paper I was reading this morning, which was a more qualitative study. So talking about like interviews, focus mm-hmm. groups with athletes in elite level football mm-hmm. and about the conversations that are had there with coaches, parents, mm-hmm. like the whole multidisciplinary teams so mm-hmm. with physiotherapists, nutritionists. And actually one of, there were quite a few themes that emerged from it. Mm-hmm. One of them is just the general like taboo nature of talking mm-hmm. about yeah. it and knowing how to go about it. Mm-hmm. And then also from that, if they do talk about it, is anything done with the information? Mm-hmm. So if there's, and again, this is so reliant as well on the level that you play. So the higher level you play, you're more likely to have a, an entire team mm-hmm. around yeah. you. So many athletes though, especially if talk about females mm-hmm. or don't have the resources to have mm-hmm. an abundance of staff members. Yeah. But let's say you're, you know, like this case, for instance, it's a football team. 
they have like check boxes every morning where they say like how they're feeling mm-hmm. how they slept and there'll be a box of like to do with the mental cycle mm-hmm. but what kind of came from that is that nothing's then done with it mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. okay great you're on second day of, of bleeding but you're not going to change yeah. anything yeah and there were a couple of athletes that were quoted in this who actually there was a change that they would talk to their coach about it mm-hmm. and depending on what they were doing so let's say they were doing some gym-based work mm-hmm. some strength training they'd adapt the load to mm-hmm. suit them mm-hmm. which I think where we're at now anyway that's sort of the solution mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you will is talking about them making those changes mm-hmm. making individuals feel comfortable yeah. in talking about it not feeling like if they say I'm feeling a bit rubbish today whether that's because of a physical symptom mm-hmm. like cramps or bloating yeah. or a psychological symptom whether that's anxiety around the training mm-hmm. which throws them off mm-hmm. if it's a more skill-based um session that they're having it could impact them in that way yeah and I think it's being able to say actually this is what I'm struggling with mm-hmm. and not feeling like it's an excuse mm-hmm. or a cop-out yeah and I think yeah. so I'm not a coach <laughs> you are <laughs> um so I think it's also oh, I can't was gonna say it just got out of my head um <laughs> it's just I think when you're coaching an athlete it's so important to monitor like how the, you don't need to be going 100% the whole time mm-hmm. and it's support, important to change yeah. the training or the intensity based off mm-hmm. how you feel and because you've got to you know lower the intensity mm-hmm. because you feel a certain way that's not only is that not a bad thing it's going to mm-hmm. probably benefit you yeah 100% in the long run yeah definitely I think having that kind of awareness and just just making people feel comfortable I think that's the biggest thing just what emerged from my kind of research I looked at a couple of studies and I don't know if you've seen this particular one which was elite rugby players mm, um yeah, yeah where yeah. they they were saying there are that, so many of those studies so yeah by me saying elite rugby players you know exactly which yeah. study it was um but yeah so they were kind of saying that um they don't necessarily necessarily have the confidence to go to their coaches about this. Um, and it also emerged that um, they were more comfortable to speak to female staff members mm-hmm. rather than male staff members, which is understandable. Um, and that's why we actually wanted to have one of our male coaches on <laughs> today. Um, Max is, was supposed to be here, but he's stuck at Costco at the moment. So unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> want to talk about the menstrual cycle. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately we don't have him today. Um, but I think it's a good um idea for male coaches as well to kind of consider this um with their athletes and just make them feel like comfortable and just listen. Yeah, just listening. Sometimes even that yeah. kind of kind of helps and kind of adjust um load based on and I think like things. understanding it's a very individual thing. Mm-hmm. Also, some women will not be impacted at, at all, all by it, yeah. which is great for them. Yeah. Very jealous. jealous. <laughs> That's the life I want to lead. How does it feel? <laughs> um, which is fine. I think also, I think what athletes and individuals have to be careful about is there are some, there is information out there. There's some apps in the market which you can use to track the mm-hmm. cycle, which give you loads of information. Mm-hmm. If we think about even because of social media and different like I said, apps that are out there, mm-hmm. watches, mm-hmm. you are just inundated mm-hmm. with so much information. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't make it completely about this. I'll go from maybe like a little tangent. Yeah. But you see so many people wearing like the 
the fitness yeah, watches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I literally wear a Casio, so yeah. you can tell <laughs> I don't wear one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's so many individuals who don't know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. They get all this data and they don't know what they're looking for, so mm-hmm. they have the potential to misinterpret it yeah. and get too focused mm-hmm. on it as opposed to actually just waking up on one day and saying, this is actually how I feel, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, oh, but my watch is telling me this. And my watch said I had a rubbish night of sleep, but I feel actually yeah. amazing. And it's really hard to get that balance. Mm-hmm. And just the less educated you are in that area, mm-hmm. it like it gets hard to be able to critique the information yeah. as well. Yeah. So there's some apps that I've seen, which give out so much information mm-hmm. with regards to the menstrual cycle. It'll say, in this phase... um, you're better off doing aerobic training or you're better off doing more yoga and eating this. It's a lot of And I look at it and I'm like, of course you're now going to feel like you're craving chocolate because you've been told that's yeah. what you're going yeah, to Yeah, psychological, like, right? It's so psychological. There's a really interesting study that basically showed because women are told like from the second they can think mm-hmm. that you're going to be craving chocolate and certain foods mm-hmm. on your period. Yeah. And there's a really inter- interesting study which basically showed in different areas of the world it's different things because uh-huh. so much of it is about advertisement and what you're... Uh-huh. And that's not to say that also you don't have these cravings, mm-hmm. but it's really... You've got to be careful in what you actually feel mm-hmm. and what is a very strong, like, psychological uh-huh. from just all the information you're consuming. Yeah. Um, and we just don't know enough currently to say you need to be eating this in this phase yeah. and... You're going to be feeling weaker now. Like, mm-hmm. see how you feel on the yeah. day and go from there. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side to it as well, it's, I think it's quite hard to back. I like, I would thoroughly recommend just everyone tracking their own performance, mm-hmm. write down little notes of how you feel and then look for patterns. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to get the balance of noticing patterns and then, you know, having things in place to help alleviate mm-hmm. potential symptoms. Mm-hmm. And then also not expecting that to happen. Yeah. And feeling a certain yeah. way. It's hard being a woman. <laughs> it's awful. Basically. I'm not conclusion. surprised they do no research. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really difficult. Um, but there are some research out there. It's mainly, I would say, like hypotheses. So there are a lot of maybes mm. and ifs and buts. Um, but there are some certain patterns um, where we can say you know, performance may be impacted in a certain phase. I think there's a, um, the most so recent is... paper that was, um like, looked at all the research, mm-hmm. found that there is, like, maybe, like, a trivial, so like, a really small mm-hmm. difference in... I really hope I've got this the right way around. In slightly reduced performance in the early follicular phase, mm-hmm. so that's around the period. Yes, yeah. yeah. But then again, that comes with the caveat. Mm-hmm. A lot of the research is low quality. Yeah. And again, with that, like, you might be listening if you're a female listening and mm-hmm. think, oh, yeah, I really relate to that. Mm-hmm. But you also might be thinking, oh, I don't at all. Mm-hmm. Some, like we said, some women or anyone who menstruates might like get severe symptoms during their period. Things like really heavy bleeding as well is going to mm-hmm. impact you. Yeah, of course. There's yeah. a lot of chat. And I think actually the rules have recently been changed about the England team wearing white shorts. Well, because no that's yeah really? so that's really really recent i think they've actually been changed to navy purely mm. because of the stress around if you're on your period yeah and you're wearing white shorts mm-hmm. especially if you're like they're going to compete which is such, oh, that's as much a mental game as it is a physical game mm-hmm. and you're in the back of your head worrying about like oh my bleeding through yeah that's just another thing yeah to add to it 
I had no idea. Sorry, yeah. when you're talking about performance, you said you looked at this paper. Uh, what do we mean by performance? That is a great question. So, <laughs> okay, so sorry. A, a lot of the research that I have written that has been done looks more at aerobic mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. There's a few papers looking at specific strength mm-hmm. outcomes. Um, but again, it's one of those things that's just quite hard because mm-hmm. you're doing studies in a lab mm-hmm. and then the real world athletes or in the mm-hmm. field, which yeah. all, again, makes a difference when it comes to research, that if you have an individual coming in, they know they're going in for research and that also mentally might make them feel different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so hard to know for definite, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I think, like I said, at this point, it's about individuals tracking their own mm-hmm. cycle, looking for patterns and mm-hmm. having things in place. And it's nothing necessarily huge. It's things like, speaking to your coach mm-hmm. and letting them know how you feel potentially reducing the load mm-hmm. if you have the luxury of having a psycho a sports psychologist mm-hmm. definitely yeah. utilize them things like um I mean I know just with me personally and I don't like to make research mm-hmm. about me because I'm just one person <laughs> yeah. but I know in like the week 10 days leading up to my period mm-hmm. I will just generally get a lot more stiff my joints will hurt a lot more mm-hmm. So if it's, it's things like that, I will then just time massages mm. potentially that I get around mm-hmm. them or have an extra one around them because I know that will help. That's really interesting, actually, that you yeah. manage to kind of like see a pattern there. Yeah, so this is kind of what I was talking about with the whole balancing act because I, for many months, if not a couple of years, sort of ignored patterns because I was mm-hmm. like, no, but if I tell myself I'm going to be feeling really like anxious, mm-hmm in the week before my period then obviously I'm going to mm-hmm. and it took me a while to actually acknowledge no there's definitely patterns there yeah. why don't you actually acknowledge them yeah and that means you can put something in place mm-hmm. and that has done wonders because then I'll go into a session feel really mm-hmm. anxious really off the first thing for me that'll go snatches because they're really technical yeah but now I'm aware of it I'm like that's fine I'm gonna lower the weight mm-hmm. make it a bit easier just get through mm-hmm. the session yeah and then every single time the next time I'm in it goes a lot better yeah and it's the same, I think, with all athletic performance. It's just mm-hmm. understanding how you're feeling. And I think it's really difficult because there's this narrative that you're oh, you're just being weak, you're mm-hmm. just finding excuses and whatnot. You just have to push through it, uh, no matter how uncomfortable you mm-hmm. feel, especially in your fe- a period. And I think that's kind of, even with this podcast, is something that we want to kind of dismantle and whatnot. Yeah, there was so the paper that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier with the football club, mm-hmm. A couple of the comments also were concerns that if they said this is either how I'm feeling or I'm on my period, the coach then wouldn't pick them for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like a very real concern. Wow. And yeah. I also think a lot of that just comes from not good enough education for mm-hmm. both athletes and Coaches. the whole team working with them. And I think links quite nicely to what I was saying about it's about having solutions mm-hmm. in place and not yeah. just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And we know that SNC industry is dominated, just the whole sports yeah. industry is dominated yeah. by men. And as much as that does need to be addressed and we need mm-hmm. to question why, mm-hmm. it's also about working with male coaches, yeah. finding out what they think they're missing mm-hmm. and give them the education to yeah. not speak 
to athletes about it yeah I actually found a really good paper on that I don't know if you've seen that one where it was kind of like a research with Australian SNC coaches mm. male coaches oh, yeah, yeah that's like one of the three <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's number two now <laughs> um yeah so they were asked uh what are the exact things that they would like to know about the menstrual cycle and it's I think it's good to see that people are open and people want to facilitate these conversations and there's no awkwardness around mm. it so um like I think yeah. also like it's important I think and I keep mentioning this the two most for me in my eyes the most important things are the conversation around it mm-hmm. and then the individual nature mm-hmm. of tracking it mm-hmm. because I think we also have to be careful to not overemphasize mm-hmm. um the impact it may or may not have mm-hmm. for me it's more about including the menstrual cycle the same way that you'd include how well you slept yeah. or yeah. how good your, nutri- your nutrition is yeah. like we mentioned earlier that there is a bit of research which says and I can't remember which way around it is off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but in a certain phase, your body will utilise fat more than carbohydrate. Yeah. And the other way around. But I'm pretty sure also in that study, they showed that actually if the athletes had a high carbohydrate diet, mm-hmm. there were no performance differences. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, yes, acknowledge the menstrual cycle phase, but mm-hmm. don't just sort of throw everything out the window and say, mm-hmm. well, this is the phase I'm in, so this is going to have an impact. It's like, yeah. actually make sure your nutrition is dialed in. Yeah, Like there's so many factors yeah. involved. It's just another one of those to mm-hmm. be aware of. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll get to some point in society, maybe <laughs> yeah. centuries to come, where it is just spoken about like another sort of metric yeah. to measure. Yeah. And a lot of that is opening up the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Around it. I want to backtrack a little bit. Because yeah, <laughs> you mentioned you feeling a little bit more stiff, like 10 days before mm-hmm. your period. Is that correct? Yeah, so like the week to 10 days beforehand. So often yeah. when it's like PMS, premenstrual uh-huh. symptoms. Yeah, I found that really interesting because yeah. there's a lot of research out there about um, joint laxity mm-hmm. and ACL injuries yeah. and how how it's impacted by the menstrual cycle especially estrogen um so there are quite a lot of systematic reviews on this now um where they say that um let me just quickly look at my notes um that there's increased laxity mm-hmm. during ovulation um and in the late follicle late follicular phase mm-hmm. um and that can lead to a higher risk for acl injuries which i thought was really interesting yeah it kind of links to is really I did, a lot saying. of that research came from the fact that acl injuries they're more prevalent in females yeah. than males yeah. and then it's sort of like oh is that impacted by the hormones then if mm-hmm. the hormones are higher in a certain mm-hmm. phase mm-hmm. but also with that again this is just a comment from one paper from like two coaches yeah. But again, we just don't know enough. The studies yeah. on high quality to say yeah. for definite it's because of the menstrual cycle as opposed to actually it's just the level of training the athlete has. Mm-hmm. And again, you just I think you can't separate all the different yeah. sort of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think often a lot of sport research has like separated out the disciplines Mm -hmm. which I think what's changing a little bit and definitely with my Mm -hmm. PhD and my research I think it's so important to have like a multi-factorial approach Uh multidisciplinary approach because you can't everything's just so intertwined yeah it comes with like females being in sport they're definitely a lot more involved than they used to be Mm -hmm. but because they're just kind of going into it they are possibly more prone Mm -hmm. to injury Mm -hmm. generally Mm -hmm. I mean I hate saying this, but we just don't know enough to know for definite. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And it also it's something that like hopefully future research will be able to do it more easily. But mm-hmm. it, again, it might it might always be the case. So it's a case of monitoring your own cycle, mm-hmm. looking for patterns, talking about it, like whether that also that's to friends, fellow mm-hmm. athletes, definitely your coach. Mm-hmm. And I also think like I know and you're probably the same. I found it I find it very easy to talk about. I definitely talk about it too much. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of people mm-hmm. find it a lot harder. Yeah. And I think those people who find it a bit harder, you don't have to go around shouting about it and like waving tampons in the air. Like every time does. <laughs> like I do. I'm like, just let you know, guys, I'm gonna go change your ta- tampon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's trying to across MSC to the toilet, like waving it around. It's just oh, just a note on that though. I yes. was so happy when I got to MSC because I only joined in like July and saw they had tampons in the female toilets yeah because oftentimes you're caught off guard and it's just nice to know that that's that and it's really small things like that as yeah. well it doesn't need to be this huge dramatic change mm-hmm. again i'm not expecting it would be nice but i'm not expecting msc to get like you know fla- a flag of a bloody tampon <laughs> up there <laughs> yeah it would be a bit excessive i mean we're you know we're facilitating conversations. <laughs> but it's small open. things. And like yeah. definitely when it comes yeah. to, I don't do the classes, but, you know, talking either on an individual basis with your coach or someone who you're in a class with or the coach of the mm-hmm. class. So like, so let's say, for instance, you're um, doing a class and as a coach and you can chime in mm-hmm. with this, mm-hmm. you're obviously going to push the um, members to like a certain level mm-hmm. when they're working. And actually, it's quite important that, like, for you to know if there's any like background information. Mm-hmm. So actually, mm-hmm. that day maybe don't push them as hard as you usually yeah. would. Yeah. Um, and it's making people feel feel comfortable mm-hmm. to say something to you. It's interesting now that that you speak about this. Um, the members know I usually ask before my class: Are there any um, injuries, aches, or pains, or mm-hmm. anything? By limited to that, injuries, aches, pains. Mm-hmm. I didn't like necessarily address oh is anyone on their period if you got someone like me in the class I'd be like okay, yeah. you're quiet I just want to describe to you in detail <laughs> what's going on but yeah. a lot of other people actually would feel uncomfortable yeah Even actually yeah. Like a little anecdote not not sport related yeah I was back in Manchester where I'm from the other week mm-hmm. and my mum had picked me up from the station and drove me home because I'm a little princess <laughs> and she also had picked up a friend who she'd just seen in town as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was driving us all back. And she said to me in the car, she was like, oh, is there anything that you need picking up from the shops? Mm-hmm. And in my head, and this is even me who, my mum also knows that my PhD is about the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Like she has learned a lot about it. She's like, it's mm-hmm. so cool. She'll go talk to her friends about it, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But even then in my head, because my mum's friend was there, also like a mother, mm-hmm. In my head, I was like, oh, God, like, the only thing I need is tampons because I've come on my period. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel a bit awkward saying it. And then this all happened in, like, a split second. I was yeah. just like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. My mum's then going to get home and I'll be like, oh, actually, I need a tampon. <laughs> and she's going to be like, well, why didn't you say anything? So I said, um, yeah, I need tampons. Yeah. And then her friend just laughed. And they were both just like, well, you didn't have to say that. And what, what? what have you wanted me to do? <laughs> And it's like it's really hard because it's that like response that you get. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. 
you're not going to then say it again you're like okay well next time yeah and if you have if you have one experience like that that can like literally shut you down for yeah a very long time yeah like what I like doing and because I'm really confident with it it's also obviously my yeah career currently <laughs> um is that when you get met with like an awkward response and at the end of the day I understand why a lot of people respond like that mm-hmm. and it's not it's yeah. the way they've been raised yeah so instead of turning around and being like over yourself like, <laughs> yeah. being so, all sassy yeah well. <laughs> I'm like explain to them actually why it's an important mm-hmm. conversation to have yeah and how it impacts you because I've had awkward conversations with family members like uncles who have wives and daughters who are so uncomfortable about it mm-hmm. and I'm like you have daughters this is so important yeah. to speak about yeah um we've gone on a bit of a tangent yeah. like non-sport yeah. <laughs> specific but I think at the end of the day though athletes yeah. are people first mm-hmm. which is why it's so important to have the conversation yeah. around it yeah I do have one more question yeah, though, before on. we <laughs> wrap up um hormonal contraception oh, I was gonna say we've not even gotten to anything that's outside of <laughs> I know regularly I think I need to get you back for a, for a part two because I can do like a little summary <laughs> <laughs> So, like, those listening who aren't so familiar, hormonal contraceptive will cover anything from... God, my mind's just gone completely blank. Either the pill, so that can be combined or progesterone only, mm-hmm. um, the injection, there's, like, quite a few different ones. Mm-hmm. And the same with most things related to females. They will impact females differently. Mm-hmm. Not only will they impact females differently from individual to individual... Mm-hmm. A female might, let's say, go on some combined pill, be fine for a few years, and then suddenly her body will choose to react differently Mm -hmm. because that's just being a female for you. So, yeah, again, we don't know necessarily how that... We just don't know how it impacts performance. Mm -hmm. Um, But, again, it'll potentially come with symptoms Mm -hmm. as well. And also, actually, what hormonal contraceptive can do is mask any issues Mm -hmm. with athletes. So I think we touched briefly, like, menstrual irregularities... Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned before we started recording the female mm-hmm. athlete triad and REDS, yeah, which stands for relative energy deficiency, mm-hmm. which is in men and women, as mm-hmm. opposed to the female athlete triad, which, as it suggests, is female specific. Yeah. Um, and that's um, generally a combination of underfueling and overtraining. And in females, actually, fortunately, have this great thing where their menstrual cycle is a sign of optimal health Mm -hmm. and the second your cycle stops that is like your first red flag for something is Mm -hmm. not right with my body and oftentimes if you're on some kind of hormonal contraceptive and you don't have a normal regular Mm -hmm. um regular menstrual cycle it's going to mask that and Mm -hmm. you're just not going to know um so that's i guess a benefit of the menstrual cycle yeah in that if you've got it it's healthy Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just gonna ask, do you think that there are potential benefits to being on the field if you are an elite athlete? I am gonna say it's individual. Based on- <laughs> it's gonna be individual. I think you can't ignore the factors that aren't unrelated mm-hmm. to sport performance. So things like because like I said, athletes are people. Mm-hmm. So things like around fertility, if mm-hmm. they're if they want to be on some kind of contraceptive mm-hmm. for other reasons. Um but I think it's a really personal choice mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. works for you. We don't know even like the long term effects of being on mm-hmm. like yeah. generally in like society because yeah. they've not been around 
for long for enough. Long. Um, can I just sign it with a really fun fact? Yes, Which please. has nothing to do with sport performance. Go on. So one of the women who pioneered in creating the like first hormonal contraceptive Mary Stopes, I think she's called. So, like, obviously, amazing. It was huge for like revolution, like for women and mm-hmm. feminism. So, like, love her. Great for <laughs> that. She actually was really into eugenics, and she basically wanted people to go on some form of contraception. So she didn't want certain people basically to reproduce and have babies if they had like any in her eyes like deficiencies. Oh, um, wow. So that was, that was where contraception, hormonal contraception comes wow. from. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Wow. But yeah, I think with that, it's a really personal choice. Yeah. Like I was saying, we don't know enough about the long-term mm-hmm. effects. I think there's a lot of benefits to not being on contraceptives. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you have an athlete who has like super heavy bleeding mm-hmm. and really bad, you know, menstrual cycle related disorders, mm-hmm. the PMDD, which is premenstrual mm-hmm. dysphoric disorder, mm-hmm. which is kind of like PMS on steroids, mm-hmm. I describe mm-hmm. it, which impacts yeah. our day to day life. Actually, you're probably better off going, potentially better off going on mm-hmm. some kind of contraceptive. But there's a lot of, yeah, there's just a lot of things to weigh up. And again, I think it's an important conversation to have mm-hmm. with your coach, especially mm-hmm. if you are an athlete, either who's at a really elite level mm-hmm. and their career to a degree is reliant on it, or even if you're just recreationally active, but your performance is really important to you mm-hmm. and it's potentially going to affect your training mm-hmm. or performance, talk to a coach about it, talk to a GP mm-hmm. about it, just get a well, mm-hmm. you know, balanced view of opinions yeah. Because we just don't know enough. So yeah. getting one person's opinion isn't always yeah, enough. Course. Yeah, you need to be well educated to make such a decision. 100%. Yeah. Um you actually touched on that like briefly. Um that reminded me of something. Um where you said there's a difference between kind of um recreational athletes and elite level athletes. Um so I think it's interesting when we look at the research where the differences the performance differences um that we're finding at the moment is so I I don't want to say it's probably significant but statistically it's insignificant Mm -hmm. um which is probably not really impacting someone who's just a regular gym goer or just a recreational athlete however if someone is on an athlete level that like marginal difference can make like first or second place it works both ways like definitely everything you've just said but so often in research if you look at like ergogenic aids for instance Mm -hmm. oftentimes research is done on recreational athletes because they are the easiest to get a hold of but then those results won't necessarily translate and you can't generalize to elite level athletes Mm -hmm. because they're at such a high level the adaptation is going to be minimal yeah yeah but it's interesting having sort of the reverse that Mm -hmm. at an elite level it's potentially going to be more important having that slight mm-hmm. tiny difference. Yeah. But also I think when it comes to talking about solutions or how the metro cycle is managed, mm-hmm. for me, I think it's just as important from the recreational level. Oh yeah. Up until the elite level. And I think it's such a broad topic. But mm-hmm. when we think about women in sport and women being active, mm-hmm. because we see sort of around puberty, females and young girls getting engaged in sport mm-hmm. really drops off. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so much that it's just so connected to puberty yeah. when the menstrual cycle starts the yeah. conversation around it 
young girls feeling uncomfortable. Oh, it's, it, it, it is just, a barrier. It's for... a mammoth topic. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a barrier to participation. Yeah. Um, and it started at that age. 100%. Yeah. Which is hopefully, and I won't go into this loads, but with my PhD, I'm going to combine like different disciplines when mm-hmm. it comes to the research. Because like I said earlier, I think it's just there's so many factors yeah. that play a role. And I think often a lot of sport-specific like performance research will focus on a physical difference, mm-hmm. but maybe neg- like neglect to acknowledge that the psychological impact mm-hmm. will then impact physical, yeah. potentially will impact the physical yeah. performance, and you just can't ignore yeah. Yeah. all the underlying factors. Yeah. So we've got a long way to go, but on the bright side, I can kind of get a career out of it. So <laughs> hopefully we, we won't fix things too soon. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, definitely keep us updated on how your research is going. Um, I think we're going to wrap that up here. Thank you so much for coming on today. No worries. I love chatting about it. So if anyone wants to come and ask me a question. If you guys see Avatar on the gym floor, please approach her. Probably not mid-training. I might cry on you. If I'm having a bad week of snatches, I will cry on you. Yeah, just beware. Pick your moment. Um, but yeah, anyway, thank you so much for coming on exactly. here. And um, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.